You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands in the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by one of my dearest friends and one of the most brilliant entrepreneurs I know, Ms. Jillian Hellman, CEO and founder of Realty Mogul. Jillian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hi, Laurel. Hi, babe. I'm so excited. I finally got you on the podcast because you have had such an incredibly rich history as an entrepreneur, and I feel like you have so many lessons to impart onto our audience. But let's start with what is Realty Mogul? Sure. So we are a digital platform for investors to invest in commercial real estate deals. It's a a two-sided platform. So on one side of the platform, we have investors who come to us looking to buy into real estate deals. And on the other side of the platform, we have over 100 real estate companies now who offer their investment opportunities up to investors and use our technology and our administrative services to help expose investors to new real estate investments. So I've always kind of referenced it as like crowdsourced real estate funding. Is that a fair way of saying it or is or not? So I think crowdfunding for real estate is a colloquial term that you could use. You know, we're not technically a crowdfunding platform, right. you know, the way that um, you can be licensed as a crowdfunding platform. So it's a, a little bit nuanced, but conceptually it's the same, right? People pooling money together on the internet to invest in something. And this is an important platform. First of all, it was one of the first of its kind in the space, which is always so fascinating to me. But why is a platform like this so valuable and important to someone who might not have a million dollars or $10 million to invest in a commercial property? It's all about access. You know, historically, you had to know a guy. Um, You had to be a part of the country (laughs) club network. You had to know a guy who knew a guy to get into these real estate deals. And so we've really sought out to democratize access to real estate investments. Um, Instead of having to know a guy, you have to know Realty Mogul. Well, you know, we're all over the internet and it's free to join and create a user account. There's, you know, no obligation. So I think that Access to these types of investments is really important. Historically, it's been, you know, warded off to either very, very wealthy individuals or people who, you know, had that network or were sort of born into those connections. Um, And I think more broadly, you know, real estate's a really important part of an investor's portfolio, Mm -hmm. you know, to get balanced on an investment perspective. It's, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, and maybe some private investments or some other alternative investments. And so, We really want to make it easy to access these investments, easy to understand them, easy to dig into them. Um, And that's really what we seek to do. It's so important, especially as we've seen, uh, you know, with communities that typically don't have access to these kinds of investments, like you said, this is what helps them create long-term generational wealth. And and it's just amazing that you figured out a way to do that. Um, Take us back in time, because I know you have a family that has historically been in real estate, but at what point did you decide or see the vision for a company like this? 
Yeah. So I always loved real estate. You know, my mom was in luxury residential real estate. My dad owned office and industrial properties. He was an entrepreneur. My grandfather built um, real estate apartments in Los Angeles. So I, I always oh, kind of I didn't know that, Jill. I didn't know that, Jillian. Like, really? Yeah. He built? Yeah. A That's so cool. I yeah. was my, my dad grew up in a building that he built in, uh, in wow. LA. In wow. That's so mid, cool. Mid- I mean, you are LA. like LA OG. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always loved real estate and I was always really interested in it. And I remember I was, uh, I was at college and I had a conversation with my dad and he said, you know, what do you want to do with your life professionally? And I said, I want to sell money. And he goes, what do you mean you want to sell money? That's a weird thing for a, you know, I don't know, it's probably 18 at the time, an 18 year old girl to say, um, but my dad had run a business in the export import business where, you know, he was always talking about faulty goods and having to ship things back and sort of the perils of having physical inventory. And so I thought, you know, money's not physical inventory. If you you know are involved in the money business, you won't have all those headaches and all of those hassles. Um, so I went to work in banking. I, I graduated university, went to work in banking. And in t- 2012, I was a vice president at the bank. And this new piece of legislation came out, which was called the Jobs Act. And the Jobs Act is really what opened up this concept of crowdfunding. It was the first major change of securities legislation since the Securities Act of 1933, which is like hard to believe that you know wow. there was very little innovation prior to the 30s. Uh, but I read that piece of legislation and originally it was largely concentrated around like startups and small businesses. And I thought to myself, this would work incredibly well in real estate. And so sort of off to the races, you know, moonlighting and, and building the company while I was at the bank. And then, you know, time, came time to, to leave my cushy day job and go be an entrepreneur. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that that was the root of the building of the company. I love that you saw an opportunity in the market. But you, I mean, I guess you technically came from an entrepreneurial family. What was that? Was there a moment that you were like, I'm going to go do this? Or were you just kind of like, this seems like something that's interesting. I'm going to, like you said, dip my toe in a little bit. And then you had to leave the, the cushy day job. How did you believe that you could actually launch a company? Yeah, I decided that I was going to be an entrepreneur before ever knowing what it was that I was going to build. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with childhood, you know, and how I grew up. I mean, I I was the, I'm the youngest in my family and, you know, two, three years old. I mean, we would sit around the dinner table and my mom and dad would talk about business with us. And that was a lot of the dinner table conversation. So I think in some respects, like the definition of success in my family was entrepreneurial as opposed to, you know, go get a good, you know, corporate job. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I mean, I remember, and and I had a great gig at the bank. I I had wonderful mentors, wonderful bosses. I made great money. Um, but I remember waking up almost every day and saying like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I had the fire in the belly. I had sort of that drive and that desire. Um, and then when I read the jobs act and saw this piece of legislation change, that was kind of, you know, the eureka moment of what I was going to build. But I I think that I'd, I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur well before that moment. Hmm. That's something that's so interesting because I, I definitely had that myself. I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur, did the import-export world, as you know. Um, we always have had that in common. How much of it is that upbringing, do you think, and how much of it is just like you're kind of, you're kind of born with that fire in the belly, as you said? You know, it's a mix. Like one of my brothers, um, who's incredibly successful, but he's a corporate guy. You know, he works for Disney. He's very, very senior at Disney. And like he he's just wired differently than I am. We have totally different risk tolerances. And, you know, I'd I'd say both incredibly successful in our own right, um, but wired differently. Now, the flip side of that, I have, you know, another couple of other other brothers who have been entrepreneurs and who've, you know, built their own companies. And so, 
you know, nature versus nurture, it's so hard to say. I mean, I think, you know, you look at my family and I'm the youngest of seven, four of the seven have been CEOs. There's got to be some nature in there. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, do you have that strong family foundation, right? Do you have people that believe in you that have taught you to believe in yourself growing up? I mean, I think that's critical for entrepreneurs. I also think that risk tolerance, that is such an important call out because for me, like I'm a flying cannonball leap type of person, as you well know, like I'm like, let's fucking do it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. No holds barred. Um, whereas someone like Mike is much more risk averse and that's why we're a good balance for each other. But I, I love that you call out the risk piece, the family piece. Um, what else makes a really strong and solid entrepreneur? For, for me, actually looking at you, you are you have so much diligence in terms of the, your process. You're so operationally focused, and yet you also have this really unique eye to see the future. So I don't think every entrepreneur has that full kind of scope of skill set, but what else do you see that makes a good entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a deep curiosity and a love of learning. You know, the, the funny joke when I started Realty Mogul, and it's been 10 years now, which is hard to believe, but, you know, I couldn't get a job in real estate. So what happened was I, I tried to <laughs> apply for a bunch of real estate jobs. I tried to do an internal transfer at the bank and go work for the, you know, the real estate business. And everyone said, you have no experience. You know, you're getting paid as a VP and, and you, you know, don't even know how to be an analyst, right? And I said, well, I'll take an analyst <laughs> job. I really want to learn the discipline and nobody would give me a job. And so... I never once felt like I couldn't learn it. Like I've always taken this approach of if I'm interested in something, I'll go read 10 books. You know, I mean, it's May, it's the middle of May and I've read 22 books this year. Like I just, wow. I have this deep love of learning and this deep curiosity and, and just this understanding that, you know, if you put in the time and the work and you dig in, you're going to become one of the more educated people on the subject matter in the country, right? Like it, it's just, there's this, wonderful, wonderful ability to access data and access information today, you know, growing up in the internet age. So I think that curiosity and, and love of learning is really important for entrepreneurs. I, I totally agree with you. But I, I've seen, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs in my life. There are very few that do it with the, the, the voracious appetite that I see that you have, Jillian. I think that's one reason I see from the outside perspective, at least you being so successful in this world. And um, I really admire that in you. We're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Mexi Craft Tequila Seltzer. It is a top shelf tequila seltzer made with craft tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, real juice, and sparkling water. Each can contains a shot and a half of premium Blanco tequila, which y'all know is my favorite, and no more than three grams of sugar for those of you watching that. You can get it in Whole Foods in Southern California or order it online at MexiSeltzer.com. Follow them on IG at MexiSeltzer and use Podcast 20 for 20% off your first order. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Jillian Hellman, who's the CEO and founder of Realty Mobile. Before the break, we were talking a bit about um, your history and how you started the company and what you think makes for a good entrepreneur. Um, let's talk about marketing. You know, that's my bailiwick. I love all things digital and experiential. Tell us how the name Realty Mobile came about. I don't even think I know this story, to be honest. You know, there's not a good story behind it. So I Damn wish it. that I had one. But I, <laughs> it was like, Realty Mogul, great. Can we buy the domain? There is a funny story. One, I, I can't even remember how I settled on the name. The original name for the business was actually realestatewithfriends.com. 
So if you go to realestatewithfriends.com, it redirects to us, which I still think is one of the really cool Easter eggs. We've got, you know, strange Easter eggs in our lives, right? That's one of mine Uh and one of the companies, which is a fun one. (laughs) But the name was too long. Um, So we set it on on Realty Mogul, which in hindsight is not a great name because it's hard to spell. So we we now own like every iteration of, you know, Mogul, Realty Mobile, Realty Mogul with an O, with an I, with an E. I mean, people struggle to spell it. So in hindsight, it wasn't a great name, but originally we owned realtymogul.co. And um, I ended up paying $9,000 for the letter M. So I paid $9,000 for realtymogul.com. So it was the most expensive letter M that I've ever bought in my career. (laughs) I love that. That is kind of a fun story. Um, But it's also, there's an important lesson in there, which really it's it's an SEO lesson, truly the branding uh, lesson, which is you know, don't just think linearly about your name. Think about all of the different iterations and how people can mess it up and get it wrong and own all of that as well so that people, so that you're undeniable in terms of how people can find you. Actually, there's a really great lesson in there. And in the logo, is it the Empire State Building? What is the building in the middle? So it's it's something that one of our designers came up with. It's not the Empire State Building, but it's meant to be aspirational, right? Uh. So the idea of the brand being that, you know, you're you're coming in it's aspirational to invest in all of these real estate assets. You know, hopefully your wealth will grow over time, getting that exposure to real estate. And eventually you'll own that. But that looks like a what? A 50, 70, 100 story building? <laughs> Something like that? A couple hundred million bucks, I would venture to guess. Nice. I was going nice. to peg a value on it. <laughs> I love it. The value of the logo. Um, so for those of us that are not as real estate savvy, what tell us like the basics like i know on your site you've got some navigation you've got a a nav on here called reits what if people don't know what that is what does that mean and how is it helpful for us in terms of how to invest sure so there's two ways that investors can invest on the platform Um, one is in specific properties so you can buy into a specific apartment building a specific shopping center or a specific you know self-storage property or industrial property um, you can also sort geographically. So if you're, you know, living in California and you want to get exposure to Florida, as an example, you could say, I want to invest in a, you know, specific property in Florida, and I want to see every Florida deal, or I want to see every Texas deal, etc. Um, if you don't want to invest in individual deals because you don't want to pick and choose and sort of choose your own adventure, we also have two real estate investment trusts, and those are REITs for short. The long version is Real Estate Investment Trust. And those are vehicles that pool a bunch of assets together. So instead of buying you know, into one property, maybe you're buying into 10 properties or 15 properties. And one of- You're hedging our your bet com- a little bit? Is that kind of a way to look at it? You're getting diversification through one investment, right? right? right. So we either find investors who say, I'll, I'll build my own diversification. You know, I'll invest in five or 10 or 15 properties on the platform over time. Or I'll make, you know, one investment into one of the REITs or or one investment or two investments, you know, one into each of the REITs to kind of get that diversification. In the REITs, one of our companies is in charge of picking and choosing the investments that go into that vehicle. So, you know, we're responsible for picking those deals. Whereas if you're buying into an individual property, you know, you as the investor are making that choice. You're saying, I want to buy into this apartment building in Tampa or I want to buy into this, you know, industrial property in Austin, Texas, right, as an example. Are you seeing, um, I know obviously you can't comment on the market and you don't know what the future holds, but everyone is like, there's no inventory right now. Everything's insane. I don't know if that's only on the uh, residential side or also on the commercial side. Are you seeing it on both sides of the market? And do you think that with the Fed um, and everything that's going on, 
right now in the markets, do you think we're going to see, are we in a bubble basically is my question. You know, ultimately it comes down to supply and demand. Um, you know, I think with the interest rates going up and they've gone up, you know, pretty dramatically. I mean, we're, we're pricing debt, you know, every day and it's been pretty fascinating to watch just the changes since like, you know, the last couple of months. Um, but ultimately it comes down to supply and demand. So right. albeit, you know, single family is a different element. I don't traffic in single family. We do almost nothing in single family, but we do a lot in multifamily. I mean, there's been over 25,000, you know, multifamily units that have been uh, posted to the Realtor-Mogul platform. Um, the interesting thing is, yes, the cost of interest rates are going up. So you would think that, you know, if you buy the property at the exact same price that you bought it before interest rates would go up, you know, naturally you would make less money. The reality is that there is so much capital chasing these multifamily investments that, again, it comes down to supply and demand, right? How many people want to invest in these assets versus, you know, how much supply is there, you know, of assets that are being sold and being brought to market? And we're finding that it's still incredibly competitive. Um, there's just so much capital out there and it, you also have inflation. So, right. you know, rents grew 11.3% nationwide in 2021 per co-star, which is like one of the Ouch. big, you know, real estate, um, data vendors. Mm -hmm. So if you have rents that grew, you know, 11%, just because interest rates went up, you know, 1%, Net net, you know, you still have benefits by insulating yourself from inflation. Now, I don't think rents are going to grow 11%, you know, every year from here on out. It would just be completely unaffordable. But you really right. want to look at that balance of, you know, where rent's moving, where interest rate's moving, and then how much capital is there, you know, chasing these types of transactions. And you compare that supply and demand. And, you know, it still looks like there's a lot of capital chasing these assets. Interesting. So my take on that is that people are like kind of myopically focused on one metric when really they need to kind of pull back and look at the whole scope and how, like you said, it nets out. Interesting. Um, and let's talk about the metaverse. Like, is that something you're investing in? Is that something you're setting the platform up for long term? Are we like five years out from this? Like what, tell us what is happening in real estate land. I saw a post the other day or an, a, an email, I think it was, that someone bought like this insane multi, multi-million dollar property that came attached with like $3 million worth of meta property. I was like, is this really, is this really happening? Is this the world we're going to be living in? Look, I'm in learning mode. Um, right. And I think you have to start in in learning mode. I mean, it's been pretty amazing what's happened, you know, with certain platforms like Decentraland and, and others. I mean, you've had multi-million dollar real estate sales. At the end of the day, it's going to be experiential, right? So right. it's who are the tenants that are going to be in tow? You know, what is that land, that virtual land being used for? You know, if it's a Snoop Dogg concert, you're probably going to drive a lot of eyeballs, right? And if you drive eyeballs, you can drive ad revenue. And if you can drive ad revenue, you have you know, an actual business model, right? So it, it comes down to how do you drive people there? Um, and how do you generate revenue off of the the land, if you will? It's, it's less driving revenue off the land and more driving revenue off of eyeballs. So I get that. you, know, you want to back either, you know, platforms that have eyeballs or experiences that have eyeballs. And by eyeballs, I mean, you know, people that are that are coming there in the virtual world. But it's going to take a long time to adopt, you know? I mean, one of the things I would say about our business is, I was early. So I was one of the yeah. first crowdfunding platforms for real estate, as you mentioned, Laurel. And in hindsight, we were probably too early. You know, in <laughs> hindsight, we probably spent, you know, $10 million in marketing a little bit too early before people, you know, were really educated on the space, before there was really trust and confidence in digital investments and online investments. And I'd say it's 
it's true of the metaverse. Like we're early, but there's a massive, massive opportunity. Yeah, I think there's a big potential upside. I agree. I think we're we're very early. I also think it's so important and valuable that you mentioned that you recognize it with Realty Mogul, you were a little early as well. Because I think entrepreneurs typically have so much bravado and ego around what they've built. But because you have been able to iterate and you've seen the nuances in this industry over time, you've been able to pivot and really still capture a lot of market share in this space, even though you felt like you might have been a little too early or spent a little too much on marketing at that time. Um, so I, I wanted to say thank you for recognizing that it's not a perfect journey for anyone. And anyone that tells you that it is, is absolutely full of you know what. <laughs> uh, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so, but we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you and how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? All right, chatting with my dear, dear friend, Jillian Hellman, CEO and founder of Realty Mogul. Um, I want to turn and talk a bit about fundraising. I know you've raised significant capital for the company. Can you share that number with us or is that private? Yeah, I mean, we've raised uh, over $55 million in venture now. We did a, a $35 million Series B, a $10 million Series A, a seed round before that. So I've, I've raised a lot of capital. And what has that experience been like, again, being very early stage? Did you find that people either totally got it or totally thought you were nuts? Like, talk us through the evolution of how you were received in the venture community at each stage along the way. Yeah, so it's fascinating. I mean, if I look at the capital raised through the venture community and then also, you know, the capital that's been invested on our digital platform, you know, I've been involved in over a billion dollars of, of capital wow. in my career. Wow. And I have to say that the first million dollars I ever raised for the company was by far the hardest. I mean, like the early days are just so hard. You know, my my joke is that I had 100 coffee meetings to raise our first million dollars and I don't drink coffee. You know? <laughs> so right, it was, girl. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. You know, it was really hard. And and eventually you get there. Right. I mean, the the only way that you can fail as an entrepreneur is by giving up. Right. Totally. If you don't give up, you can't fail. You just keep going. Um, but the first million dollars was very challenging, but Series A and Series B, you know, in hindsight, were pretty easy. I mean, I think our Series B, we were, you know, in and out in like 40 days. Um, wow. That was a big round. That was a $35 I mean, million dollar un- round. That's unheard of. 40 days is like, I, I think that might be the fastest raise I've ever heard. That's you insane. know, I, I built relationships prior. Um, mm. So it's not to say that, you know, those were, were first meetings with, uh, with investors. I built relationships prior and it was a fantastic time in the market. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of venture is is timing. Like right now is a terrible, terrible time to be out in market. You know, 2015, you know, when I was out in market for our series B was a really, really good time to be out in market. So I think some of it is, is having enough staying power and enough capital to be able to time when you do your fundraise. That's really critical for entrepreneurs. And a lot of times it's not even on their radar because they're so focused on just, you know, building the operations, get big fast. Um, But that timing makes a, a tremendous difference. That's a huge tip. Timing is everything. I find that that is the case in most areas of life, if we're being totally honest, right? Um, So you think that uh, you think it's just a matter of sticking in the market and watching what's happening in terms of current real estate. Do you think that valuation, the the property values are going to be dropping? What do you think is going to happen there? 
It's all situational. It's going to yeah. depend on the micro market. I mean, I like I look at Miami, you know, residential. There is so much demand, even if interest rates go up, you know, another one percent, which I expect they will, you know, by the end of July. Like, I don't know if that cools off. There's just so much demand, so much population growth. You know, you juxtapose that with a market like Boise, Idaho, that's been completely on fire. Like that one doesn't make sense to me. You know, I think that residential. <laughs> Will will come down there. It's just been run up, and there's not, you know, there is population growth. There is strong population growth there, but it's it's different. Um, So I think it depends on the micro market. You know, there's certain markets where I like office. There's plenty of other markets where I don't. Um, You know, there's certain markets where there's going to be overbuilding in this next cycle. There's certain markets that are you know chronically undersupplied. So you know, one of the key lessons that I learned coming out of COVID is that. It's no longer about macroeconomics. I think that there are, you know, a tremendous amount of diligence that's need to, that needs to be placed on microeconomics. So what I mean by mm-hmm. that is let's juxtapose Salt Lake City, you know, versus New York City during COVID. Salt Lake City actually had employment growth during COVID, and New York City saw, you know, unemployment or New York more broadly saw unemployment of like 13%. So same macroeconomic environment and a completely different um, experience on the ground. And so, you know, we're looking a lot more at micro markets. It's hard to say across the entire country, you know, pricing should come down because the cost of debt went up, right? So it costs more to, you know, have a mortgage on that same property. You know, if you bought it in March, you know, you probably got a mortgage rate somewhere in the high twos, low threes. You go to buy that today, you've got something in the fives, right? So I think where where individuals are involved, so in the residential space, I can see pricing coming down, but you're going to have exceptions where there's just so much demand that it's going to hold pricing. I think that is an absolutely fair and uh, quite brilliant assessment, as always. So much wisdom from you, Jillian. Um, what does the future hold for Realty Mogul? I know you guys have built this really robust uh, you know, backend platform. You guys are marketing like crazy right now. You're growing. What does the future hold? Yeah, it's, it's more the same, right? Like we've got a big mission um, to empower investors to live the lives they want through investments in real estate. And I think that, you know, we we just crossed 5 billion of transactions that we've been involved in. So super proud about that. Wow. But, you know, in my mind, like there's no reason we shouldn't be doing, you know, 20 billion of real estate deals a year. I mean, you look at the behemoths, right? The Blackstones, the, the huge real estate companies, and, you know, they're doing massive numbers. And, you know, we think that there's a lot of demand from the retail individual investor. Um, and so it's more of the same and stay true to our core values, you know, stay, stay the course, right? This is a volatile time in the economy and it's about, you know, stay the course, play to win um, and do business sort of the right way, right? Treating people right and showing up and, um, you know, always be willing to communicate and have a conversation. I I think all of that is so very true. I also, it's so, it's such an entrepreneurial vibe to be like, yeah, we've got, you know, X billion under uh, that we've invested in property, but I want to hit, you know, 10X that. That is exactly the entrepreneurial mindset. I, I call it moving the goalpost, right? Like, like that's great, but what's next? And that is truly <laughs> what keeps you at the top of your game as a visionary in your field. And I just, I love watching you work, Jillian. I just think you're you're so hungry for knowledge and thirsty for what is next. And you that is what drives your company. That's what drives you as an individual. And I can just, I just see it. Um, and I just so appreciate that. All right. In the last few minutes we have left, I want to get to some personal questions. So these are just what we call quick fire. The first question is, what is the one thing you could not live without during COVID and you can't say your own product platform or company? 
Oh, books. Any ones in particular to share with the audience? Oh my gosh, I've read so many books. Email me. I have a book list in Google that I I will <laughs> you know share people with or, or share with people. But like absolutely books. Like you know in that in those times of isolation, like I just am an avid reader and um, I just I love reading and I love books. Can't imagine life without books. Hmm. Uh, what is your go-to vice of choice after a long hard day? My go-to vice of choice. Interesting. Probably rosé. Really? I would have could have sworn that there was a Negroni in there somewhere. Eh, there's a Negroni too, but you know you can't have a Negroni every day. That becomes a problem. <laughs> That's true and absolutely fair. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and change the, your business into anything you wanted it to look like right now, what would that look like? You know, I, I wouldn't change it. I've learned so much from all the pain that, um, I just, I can't think that way. Right. Like I, I've been put in horrible scenarios that I've had to navigate my way through because that's what I needed to experience to become, you know, the best version of me. So I don't think I'd change anything. We have an incredible team. We have an incredible culture. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty awesome time. So I'm going to stick with what I got. What's the thing you're most excited about with your business right now? Oh, I thought you were going to say in life, and I was going to say celebrating your birthday. It's ah, birthday we can tomorrow, say life, everybody. I mean, we could make it about uh, me. That's fine, too. But no, I don't, <laughs> what's exciting about your life and your work that right now? Like, What is the most exciting thing, the thing that gets you up every morning? You know, I, it's probably our marketing, actually. we Our marketing team is just on fire right now. And it's so exciting because we've done a lot more broader marketing this year. And I have people coming out of the woodwork that, you know, I saw your ad or I saw you on, you know, TV or I saw you on YouTube. Or, and that's cool. It's fun when you have a consumer brand and people recognize it. And, you know, our, our marketing team is just doing a phenomenal job. So I'm really, really proud of them. I have to tell you, I rock my Realty Mogul sweatshirt when I go to work out all the time. And I have so many people that are like, I know that brand. What does it, what does it say do? And I'm like, go to the website. You should start investing. <laughs> so I am a marketing vehicle for you as well. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I love it. Those are the most comfortable sweatshirts ever. So, Oh my God, they're the best. My sister tried to steal it from me once and I, uh, I snatched it right back. I was like, no, no ma'am, no ma'am. Um, the last question I have is what is your favorite word and why? And this could be something that's had like real meaning to you over time or something that just pops in your head for this conversation. Ah, uh. The word I've been ruminating on quite a lot in the last couple of weeks is a Jewish word or, uh, called dayenu, which mm. is like it would be loosely translated as like it would be enough. So if I just got this thing, it would be enough. But to give me, you know, that other thing like, wow, like I can't even believe it. Like it's it's enough. Right. Um, mm. So I've been ruminating quite, quite uh, frequently on the word dayenu. Hmm, I love that. Well, as we wrap things up, I want to give you the floor to share with people how they can reach out, get in touch with Realty Mogul, make their first investments, and um, any final words of entrepreneurial wisdom. Yeah, go to realtymogul.com. We'd love to have you on the platform. Join as a member. It's free. You can start seeing real estate deals. We also try and educate. So we've got a ton of educational content. Um, even if you're not ready or interested in making an investment, but just want to learn about you know real estate more generally. Um, please go go to the website and would be happy to connect. And if you want to connect with me directly, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can follow me and I, I try and you know share some thoughts there. Um, and it's been a, a blast. Thank you. Any final words of entrepreneurial wisdom for anyone listening in who's just getting started in this game of life? Yeah, my favorite entrepreneurial words of wisdom are keep going. 
So there's so many forks in the road where you're going to want to quit as an entrepreneur and you're going to ask yourself, like, is this worth this? And why am I this crazy? And, you know, can <laughs> I do this? And all, all the, you know, self-doubt and craziness. Yeah. Um, and, and keep going, right? On the flip side of that, like, I, I speak to a lot of um, universities and young people and I love to sort of mentor and give back. And what I say in a lot of those speeches is entrepreneurship is a disease, so if you don't have the disease, like don't wish that you had it, right? If you don't have that fire in the belly, if you're not, you know, like feeling like you have to be an entrepreneur and you're in your day job and every single day you're like, I have to start a company, I have to start a company, I have to start a company. I mean, that was literally me for five years. So like yeah. I knew that I had the disease. Um, so if you don't have the disease, don't wish you had the disease. But if, if you do have the disease, keep going, right? Like yeah. the, the only one that is even remotely responsible for allowing your company to fail is you because you give up, right? As an entrepreneur. So keep going one foot in front of the other um, and, and be flexible. You know, you never know what opportunities are going to drop in your lap just because you showed up. You know, one of my other favorite quotes is opportunity dances with those on the dance floor, show up, mm -hmm. be on the dance floor. You, you never know what's going to come. So keep going. And it's a, it's a wild, crazy ride and uh, do your best to enjoy the journey. It is a wild and crazy ride, and, and that's why rosé was invented, right? <laughs> for those wild nights. I can't wait to cheers a glass with you later this week, Jillian. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.